in my fourth, no, no, fifth year of seminary, had a real big blessing to go to the Holy Land and not spend one week there or two weeks there. We got to spend 10 weeks there. And when we were there, we were actually able to go down to the Dead Sea, which is actually the lowest place on earth. And right next to that is where we hear from our reading in the first book of Samuel. And we were super excited to go to this particular place because you can take the boy out of sixth grade, but you cannot take sixth grade out of the boy. What I mean by that is, so here, beginning lines, maybe you caught it or didn't catch it, but it said Saul took 3,000 men from all of Israel and went in search of David and his men and in the direction of the wild goat crags. When he came to the sheepfolds along the way, he found a cave, which he entered to relieve himself. So what did Saul do? He either taken a giant dump or he's taken, well, you know what. So anyways, um, that was one of the places that we were super excited to go to as seminarians, oddly. And we all took pictures in front of this cave. And as my imagination just kind of goes and being back there, it was one of the weirdest things because when we look at what we have in common, it begets unity. When we look at what we have, you know, differences, it always just kind of tears us apart. You know, this is the week for Christian unity. And, you know, sometimes we forget that we're all human and we're all in need of love. And even sometimes at a very simple base level that, you know, they go to the bathroom, I go to the bathroom. Can we at least agree on that? Like these little, just simple human things that we do. And like what makes us to have to go to the bathroom is eating food. And that's like one thing that Jesus did with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes um, because he loved them. And they were made in his image and likeness. And a lot of them didn't know what difference he makes. You know, as, as David is in this, this cave, he's in a deep cistern, he's hiding, which is what a lot of us do when we look at what we have indifference with one another rather than what we have in common. He's hiding, it says, in the deep recesses of the cave. But I don't know if you've ever been in a cave, but like everything echoes. So as soon as, you know, Saul is like relieving himself, everyone would have heard it, right? And, Saul, and David has a decision to make to either repent and pray in repentance to apologize to Saul, or he has a point to keep hiding. And he comes out of the darkness and he comes to Saul and he says, my Lord, you know, lowercase l, my, the king. And, he's, and, and then they ask, you know, is David trying to harm me? He said, no, David is here to repent. And that's like one thing that we are called to do for all the sins of disunity in the church. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm pointing fingers at myself. Because that's what my patron saint, St. John Vianney, always taught us. He said, always accuse self before accusing others. It's just so important to say, have I done anything to cause this? Could I actually be wrong? You know, St. Saint, Saint John Vianney, he was actually asked to leave ours, where he was in France. And people signed a petition for all these reasons why he should leave. They had a big list. And in his humility, he signed it too, you know. We had a, a, simple, a kind of funny thing going on last year and people wanted me to move a statue in our little prayer chapel upstairs and they put a little petition thing on there and I just signed it just kind of into, uh, just kind of get, show my honor to St. John Vianney because I agree, we should move things sometimes but it's important to wait. It's so important to wait and be patient because we hear in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. You know, we don't know how long these pauses are in Scripture. Sometimes we just read it and we think, oh, that's how exactly how it happened. 
We don't know how long, just to be funny here, we don't know how long Saul relieved himself. Maybe it was one of those long ones. And then David's kind of waiting. He's just waiting for David to come and to meet him, hopefully after he went to the bathroom, right? And after um, he did, he repented. He swallowed his pride, and he just admitted fault. And it's so interesting when we do that. The Lord calls us by our names, right? He says, David, come out of the cave. Saul calls him out, right? Only the evil one calls us names. Same as we go into the gospel reading, seeing that fulfillment in the gospel today. It says, Jesus went up the mountain to pray, right? Which means he went up to a place of deep, deep consolation and deep prayer. And he prayed for names, the ones he wanted. And he called his apostles by name. The one name I'd like us to focus on today is Peter. You know, he comes as Simon. And a lot of us don't catch this particular thing when the conversion happens of Peter, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You've been with me this long. Who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And they start saying, well, some people, some people say John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah, risen from the dead. But then the Lord's like, no, no, no. He looks at all of them, all the apostles, but Peter speaks, says, but who do you say that I am? And it's interesting, a lot of people don't catch this piece when Simon says, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. He calls him Simon Barjona. A lot of people don't catch what I just said. Jonah's from the Old Testament. He has been dead for a long time. What is Jesus doing? Jesus, in his early ministry, was called the new Jonah. So what Jesus is doing is he's adopting Peter as his own. And what unites us in our adoption as beloved sons and daughters is our baptism, where you can't choose your family, but your heavenly father chooses you because he'd rather be with you than without you. So when Simon would have heard that, it probably just hit a part in his heart that he didn't know was, was there an ache that he had for authentic love and seeing this Jesus to go to all these ends just for him, pulling him out of those dark caves, so to speak, meeting him in his humanity. And that's what people find when they watch things like The Chosen. Jesus is so human. He's so relatable. But he's also divine, right? There's this, there's this deep, deep love that the Father has for us. He'll go to any ends, any depths of the cave, so to speak, to meet us and call us out. He'll go to the depths of the caves, to the heights of the mountain, to call us out. And the devil, he knows your sins, and he calls you by your sins. He knows your name, calls you by your sins, but the Lord, he knows your sins, but he calls you by name. And maybe not even like by your first name, right? Maybe not by your first name, but by a nickname, one that will, will hit the depths of your heart so you know who you are. That's a great grace to pray for. Lord, what is my name to you? What is my personal name so that I may know it's about unity? Because as soon as it becomes us versus them, we're toast. As soon as we forget that they are made in the image of likeness of God, and so am I, we forget those things, we're toast. And we see, when we start saying, that's my, my brother or my sister in Christ, that begets unity. 
And yes, we might have our differences, but sometimes we have to go back just to the basics. Through baptism, we're all beloved sons and daughters. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. And just starting there. And if you and I come to know that personal name the Lord has for us, it begets intimacy. So when he calls you to make these difficult decisions to repent for things maybe you're deeply ashamed of, you know that, first of all, it's, he, he wants to set you free because he loves you and only his love will satisfy. Or we have a choice to always say, oh, it's, it's them over there and us over here. David is such a good model for us to show how to repent because that's what he does. Maybe spend some time today with Psalm 51, you know. Have mercy on me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Create in me a new heart. So I don't have to live in these fearful places in the caves, right? And it is the Lord, again, who comes to us on this altar. And as Catholics, we have no unity without the Eucharist. That is ultimately what unifies us. And maybe after you receive communion, just ask the Lord, what's your name for me? What's your name for me? And if you don't hear it today, persist, persist. That's a big part of endurance, persistence, a part of the walk of the disciple. And if you come to know the Lord's name for you, there's an intimacy with him that he desires for you. And it'll speak to the core of who you are. And when you know who you are, you know what to do. And how many people in our world just don't know what to do? because they don't know who they are and they don't know how loved they are. And that's our job, to reveal that to one another, but also to repent of the times that we fall short of that. So we take a moment of silence. We just ask the Lord for that grace, like, what is your name for me? But also, what names do I listen to when I'm in those dark spots that are just not of you? And what names do I call other people when I forget that they're made in the image and likeness of God, that they're they are too baptized, right? They are my sister and my brother in Christ. Amen.